There is no blame upon you. In If you divorce the women, As long as you did not touch them. Tamasuhunna from mas, meem, seen, seen. What does mas mean? Touch, physical contact. This does not mean that malam tamasuhunna, like you didn't touch them at all. Okay? What it means is there was no relationship between the husband and wife. There was no relationship between the husband and wife. There are two opinions concerning marriage consummation. Some scholars say that when the husband and wife are alone, okay? Even if they're just sitting, one, you know, like it happens after the nikah, one is sitting here and the other is sitting there, they're too shy to sit with each other, okay? So even if they became alone for a minute, the marriage is consummated, okay? Other scholars say that no, marriage is consummated only when there is sexual intercourse. That is what consummates the marriage. Without that, no consummation. So there's difference of opinion. So over here, Allah says, that there is no blame upon you if you divorce the women, malam tamasuhunna, whom you have not touched, meaning marriage was not consummated, lahunna farida, or you didn't even fix a farida for them, you didn't even fix the mahar for them. Tafridu from faradat, fard, obligation, tafridu, you fixed, you made incumbent, you prescribed, lahunna for them farida, and what is farida? An obligation, something that is obligatory. And what is this referring to? The mahar. So, there was no physical contact, marriage was not consummated, and the mahar was not even fixed. Obviously, if it was not fixed, was it given? No. It can only be given once it's fixed. So before even the marriage was consummated, before even the mahar was given, what happened? What happened? Divorce. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there is nothing wrong with this divorce. There is nothing wrong with this divorce. Don't think that if a divorce like this happens... People are being sinful. No. Because it's quite possible that one of the spouses, they're forced into that marriage by their family. And they say that, you know, once the marriage is consummated, things will be fine miraculously. But once the nikah happens, and both of them, they just meet one another, the girl knows that there's no way I can live with this guy. And the first thing she tells him is, I'm sorry, I don't like you. Please divorce me. I was forced into this. And the guy's like, okay. Or let's say the guy, he thought that, oh, she covers the face. It's okay, I don't think I want to see the face. And then once the nikah happens, he's like, I don't think I like her. Whatever, it's possible, right? It's possible. Everybody has their own choices. Please don't start talking about stories over here that you've heard of. But I'm just telling you what is mentioned in the Quran. So it's quite possible that they know it's not going to work out. So he says, you know what, let's stop it here. Divorce. So... Divorce happens over there. So the mahar was not fixed. And we know that at the time of divorce, the man cannot take anything back. But the woman has been hurt by this. Okay? She has suffered. She was married and she was divorced. Even though her heart was not into it, it's possible. But still, it's not fair that she is now considered as a divorced woman. Do you understand what I mean? So she has to be compensated for what she has suffered. This is why Allah says, So make up for the loss that you caused her. How? That matti'uhunna benefit them. Matti'u from mata'r, meem ta'ayn. Give them some mata'r, give them some gift of compensation. And mata'r, what is mata'r? What is mata'r? Something that you can enjoy. Something that you can take benefit from. So matti'uhunna, give them something that they can benefit from, whatever it may be. 
How much should it be? Allah says, عَلَى الْمُوسِعِ قَدَرُهُ وَعَلَى الْمُقْتِرِ قَدَرُهُ عَلَى الْمُوسِعِ Upon the Musir, Musir is the one who has wus'a, wausin ain. Wus'a is capacity, vastness. So Musir is the one who has a lot of vastness in his wealth. Meaning he is wealthy, he is well off, he can afford a lot. So he has to give how much? قَدَرُهُ Qadar, extent, scope, capacity, whatever he can afford to give. So if he's well off, how much should he give? A pair of clothes? Twenty dollars? Yeah? No. Whatever he can afford. It could be a piece of jewelry. It could be five thousand dollars. It could be a car if he's even more rich. Okay? Whatever he can afford to give, but he has to give something that she can take benefit from. عَلَى الْمُسِعِ قَدَرُهُ وَعَلَى الْمُقْتِرِ مُقْتِرِ from the root letters قَافْ دَارَ And قَطِر is to be stingy, to have very less, to have very little resources. And when a person has very little, then he tends to become a little stingy. I'm not saying that people who don't have enough, they should be generous. If you don't have enough, how can you be generous? You can't keep buying things on credit card, right? So مُقْتِر is basically someone who has less. Okay, someone who has little. So وَعَلَى الْمُقْتِرِ قَدَرُهُ He will give according to his means. But مَتَاعًا بِالْمَعْرُوفِ مَتَاعًا A benefiting, meaning the woman has to be given something of benefit. How much بِالْمَعْرُوفِ That which is generally acceptable, that which is culturally acceptable in the society. So if for example, the man gives her a pack of nice pens, is that ma'roof? I mean, come on. He divorced her. It's not right that you give her a pack of highlighters. I mean, yes, she's in school, but for God's sake, give her something of value. Okay? Whatever is culturally acceptable. Whatever is within the means of that person. Alright? Allah says, and this is haqqan ala al-muhsineen. This is an obligation on who? On the muhsineen. Notice the word muhsineen. Who are muhsineen? Those who do ihsan. Those who do extra good. Those who do what they do in the best way. So, Yes, you give according to your means, but the one who is muhsin, he will not forget to do ihsan even at this time. He will give the best that he can give. So, حَقًا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ Many times, when do people spend? When they are happy. When all is good. Then they don't mind buying expensive gifts. They don't mind giving a lot. Why? Because giving makes them happy. Right? Giving makes them happy. They're happy, that's why they'll give. And when they give, they'll be more happy. But we are encouraged to spend even when we are not getting any benefit in return. Even at the time when we may be upset. Even at the time when we feel that we have been cheated. Allah says, حَقًا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ The muhsin he spends at all times. Because he spends for whose sake? The sake of Allah. He wants reward from Allah, not from the people. But unfortunately, what happens in our society? If the divorce happens, even in this situation, the marriage is not consummated, the woman is asked to give something back. Right? She is drained. Her family, it's whatever they have is snatched away from them. But at this time, Allah says, you give to the woman because you have caused her some kind of loss by divorcing her. وَإِن طَلَّقْتُمُوهُنَّ Another scenario. So this scenario was which one? Mahar not fixed, marriage not consummated. Both no, no. 
وَإِن طَلَّقْتُمُوهُنَّ And if you divorce them, مِنْ قَبْلِ أَن تَمَسُّوهُنَّ Before you touch them, meaning marriage was not consummated, but وَقَدْ فَرَضْتُمْ لَهُنَّ فَرِضًا But you have fixed a mahar for them. Mahar was fixed, it was given or it was not given, but it was fixed for sure. Okay? So how is it different from the first case? How is it different? That the mahar was fixed here. In the previous case, mahar was not fixed. Then what are you supposed to give? According to your capacity? No. You have to give her فَنِصْفُ Then half of مَا فَرَضْتُمْ What you fixed. So you had said at the time of nikah that you'll give her $10,000 as her mahar. Now, before the marriage was consummated, you decided to divorce her. Okay. No blame. You have a reason? You have your reason. You divorce her, but you have to give her half of the mahar that was fixed. Why do you think so? Because the woman was expecting something. She was expecting those $10,000. Okay? She was expecting that gift. And all of a sudden she finds out she's not married anymore. And the money that she was expecting is also gone. But Allah says, no, you have to give her half. فَنِصْفُ مَا فَرَضْتُمْ إِلَّا except أَنْ يَعْفُونَ That they pardon. يَعْفُونَ عِنْفَا وَاو To pardon, meaning those women, they pardon. Like the woman says, you know what? Yes, the nikah took place, you fixed the mahar, but you know it was never consummated, and I don't think I need anything from you, I'm fine. Really, I don't need anything. So she says, keep it. يَعْفُونَ They pardon. So can the man keep the whole of the mahar then? She's pardoning, she's letting go. Yes, he can. He's obligated to give half of it. But if the woman says, it's okay, I don't want it, you can keep it. Can he keep it? Can he keep it? Yes, he can. إِلَّا أَنْ يَعْفُونَ أو or يَعْفُوَ He pardons. Same root, عَنْ فَوَاو Who pardons? الذي, the one who بِيَدِهِ in his hand is عُقْدَةُ nikah, The knot, the tie of marriage. If you have the tie you know, the knot in your hand, what does it mean? It's in your control. You can untie it. So who is this one in whose hand is a tie of marriage? The man, the husband. Okay? Because he can untie by giving divorce. Okay? So, الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ عُقْدَةُ nikah. According to the stronger opinion, who is this? The man, the husband. So he lets go. Meaning he says, you know what? Keep the whole $10,000. I'm obligated to give you 5,000, but you know what? It's okay, you keep it. You understand? Or for example, he had promised to give to the woman a set of jewelry. Okay? And that was supposed to be her mahar. She agreed to it, she was okay with it, but before the marriage was consummated, he decided to divorce her. So he says, okay, now what am I going to do? Take this whole jewelry to somewhere, sell it and give half of it to her? You know what? I'm probably not going to get much out of it anyway, so might as well give her the whole thing. Because you know what happens with diamonds and all of that. Once you sell it, it loses a lot of its value. Right? Even gold jewelry, once you sell it, it loses a lot of value. So he says, I spent so much money on this, might as well let her keep the whole thing. Okay? So he lets go. So in other words, in this case, there is room for discussion. Okay? The woman can say, I don't want it. And the man can say, you keep all of it. It's possible. But giving half to the woman is an obligation on the man. If the woman forgives, it's okay. That's a different case. وَأَنْتَعْفُ Then Allah says, and that you pardon, أَقْرَبُ taqwa. It is closer to taqwa. أَقْرَبُ From قُرْبُ Closeness. 
It is much closer to taqwa. Meaning it is much better if you pardon. So both are encouraged to ihsan over here. The woman is encouraged, let him keep all of it. You're not going to be living with him, so why bother? And the man on the other hand is being encouraged, let her keep all of it. You know, both are being encouraged, let go, pardon, forgive. That is aqrab taqwa That is closer to taqwa. But many times in these situations, people become greedy and selfish. They say, this is mine, and that is mine, and this is mine, and this is my right. But what does Allah want us to do? To forgive, to earn reward over here, to do ihsan. And وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ And do not forget the fadl between you. Do not forget to be gracious to each other. Do not forget to be kind to each other, to be generous to each other. What is fadl? Fadl is favor. So don't forget to do favor to each other at this time. Not that you're saying, oh, by the way, this gold set, you know, 50% of it means this many grams and it's this much money, so I want exactly this much and not less. No. Be generous. Be generous. Do favor to each other. Be kind to each other. Use this opportunity to earn reward. وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ تَنْسَوُ is from the root letters. نُون سِينِيَا To forget. Because at these times again, people forget to be generous because they become selfish. They become greedy. They have been hurt. They are angry. And they don't want to think of being kind to the other at all. So, وَأَن تَعْفُوا أَقْرَبُ لِلتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ Indeed, Allah is watching all that you are doing. Everything you're doing, Allah is watching you. So how do you react at this time of anger? At this time of great emotion? How do you react? Allah is watching you. Many times it happens that if a person has hurt us in the past, and we are at a position now that we can help them. They're asking for our help. They're asking for a favor from us. What do we do? We refuse to help them. We say, oh, they did this and this to us. They said such and such to us. We're not going to even consider them. But what does Allah say? Don't forget to be gracious. Don't forget to be kind. Because when you're being kind to the other, you're doing it for the sake of Allah. You want reward from Him, not from people. People can't give you anything anyway. So, وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ Recitation. لَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ إِن طَلَّقُتُمُ النِّسَاءَ مَا لَمْ تَمَسُّوهُنَّ أَوْ تَفْرِضُوا لَهُنَّ فَرِيضَةً وَمَتِّعُوهُنَّ عَلَى الْمُوسِعِ قَدَرُهُ وَعَلَى الْمُقْتِرِ قَدَرُهُ مَتَاعًا بِالْمَعْرُوفِ حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ وَإِن طَلَّقْتُمُوهُنَّ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَمَسُّوهُنَّ وَقَدْ فَرَضْتُمْ لَهُنَّ فَرِيضَةً فَنِصْفُ مَا فَرَضْتُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ يَعْفُونَ أَوْ يَعْفُوَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ عُقَدَةُ النِّكَاحِ وَأَنْ تَعْفُوا أَقْرَبُ لِلتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ There are two more cases that are not mentioned over here. One is that the mahar was fixed and the marriage was consummated as well. So how much does a woman keep? How much does she keep? 
all of it like we learned earlier the fourth case is that the mahar was not fixed it was not given but the marriage was consummated and then the divorce happened so how much does the woman get the marriage was consummated so it's not really fair many times it happens that you know a man and a woman they got married and it's understood that both are not living together and they're told very clearly by their parents that you're not going out together alone in private anywhere but they still go and the mahar was not fixed it was not given and yes they end up you know having relations with each other and later on for whatever reason they think it's not going to work out and divorce happens the mahar was not given marriage was consummated so how much does the woman get how much huh whatever she asks no she will be given mahar misl what is mahar misl meaning the mahar that is similar to the mahar that is given to the women of her family okay so let's say her sister got 10 her other sister got 12 so the man he will have to give her let's say 11 okay or 10 or 12 9 13 it something similar to what is given to the women of her family okay what is typically given in that family then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says hafizu ala salawati guard the prayers strange we're talking about divorce and idda and the mahar and all of a sudden allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us hafizu ala salawat guard the prayers don't forget your salah what's the connection here some people they object a lot that the quran is very incoherent that all of a sudden something is being spoken of and the topic changes and the topic changes again there is coherence in the quran but you have to reflect the quran is not just information it is a message it is a mauiza it is admonition and this is why you don't find the same theme in one place sometimes you find that the topics are being switched again and again why because like in this situation when it comes to divorce people become very selfish my right my mahar my jewelry my gold my money my house my property people become very selfish and they forget about their duties their obligations so allah is reminding us that okay you may have a right but remember that your lord also has a right on you and when people are going through divorce they are so sad and hurt and emotional that the first thing they forget is what their salah they think i'm going through divorce i still have to pray yes you do you do or people think today i am getting married at least one day i should be allowed that i am exempted from my salah you still have to pray on the day of your wedding you have to the night of your wedding you have to pray isha and you have to get up in the morning and pray fajr you have to even if you're going through divorce a very difficult time the whole night family is sitting and discussing and they're upset and they're worried and they're concerned what's going to happen still you have to pray isha you have to pray fajr you have to pray zuhur allah says hafizu ala salawat guard the prayers hafizu from hifz muhafaza and muhafaza is to guard protect something so that it doesn't go waste because if you don't guard it it will be wasted 
Muhafadha also means mudawama, to be continuously be on top of something, and this is a part of guarding something, that you're constantly on top of it so that it doesn't get neglected. So hafidhu, guard, keep up, maintain, regularly maintain what? As-salawat. And as-salawat, plural of salah, what does it mean? The five daily prayers. Guard the prayers. That pray them on time. Don't neglect them. Don't leave them. Don't be forgetful about your prayers or don't be distracted from your prayer. That you are praying salah, but all you can think of is the divorce or the marriage or the wedding dress or the things that you're getting. No. Focus on prayer. Hafilu ala salawat. Because whenever something big happens in life, something unusual, what gets affected? The salah. We don't have khushur, we can't focus, we can't concentrate, we don't even remember to pray. And if we're praying, we don't know how much we have prayed, or we don't want to pray. So Allah reminds us, حَافِظُوا عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ Guard the prayers, don't neglect it. And especially, وَالصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى And the middle prayer, وُسْطَى Remember, ummatan. What does it mean? That which is in the middle. And that which is in the middle is also the best, of utmost importance. So what is this middle prayer? Which prayer falls in the middle? Salatul Asr. You have two before and two after. And it is also of utmost importance, meaning it is extremely important. It is extremely important. So especially pray Pay attention to the middle prayer, meaning Salatul Asr. We learn from a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he said at the Battle of Ahzab, when the mushrikeen had come, you know, surrounding them from outside, and the Muslims had dug trenches in order to protect themselves, they were guarding the trenches constantly, and because of that, their Asr Salah, once it got delayed, so the Prophet ﷺ said, شَغَلُونَ عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى They kept us busy and made us neglect our middle prayer. So middle prayer is which one? Salatul Asr. Okay, it is Salatul Asr. And how important is it? In a hadith we learned that مَنْ فَاتَتْهُ صَلَاتُ الْعَصْرِ فَكَأَنَّمَا وُتِرَ أَهْلَهُ وَمَا لَهُ That whoever misses his Asr prayer is like the one who has lost his family and money. Imagine that your house gets ruined because of some natural disaster. Let's say there's an earthquake or may Allah protect all of us, but imagine something like that happens. Whoever was inside the house and whatever was of the house, inside the house, gone, finished. Gone. Gone. This is similar to what? Losing the Asr prayer. The one who loses his asr prayer is as though he has lost his family and his property, his home, everything. He has nothing left. Salatul Asr is very important. And why do you think so much importance is given to this prayer? Because it's right in the middle of the day when people are switching from their morning to their evening. Right? They're coming back from work, from school, or they're wrapping up dinner or whatever. They're preparing dinner. So they're switching from their morning to their evening and in that process, they either delay it or they miss it or they forget about it. You may have noticed in yourself that if there's any prayer that you forgot to pray, it was which one? Perhaps Salatul Asr. 
you know Fajr, you know Zohar, Maghrib, Isha, because they have their fixed times. And you know like something happens which triggers the reminder that you have to pray. But when it comes to Asr, the time is long and you're like, yeah, I'll pray now, I'll pray now, I'll pray now. And the next thing you know, it's 10 minutes to Maghrib. So Allah says, وَالصَّلَاةُ الْوُسْطَى Don't neglect that. Why? Because the one who neglects it is going to suffer a great loss. And what is that loss? In a hadith we learn that once the Prophet ﷺ, he was sitting with the companions and there was a full moon in the night sky. And everybody could see it very clearly. Imagine, full moon. Aren't you drawn towards it? Right? Sometimes you come home in the middle of the night and as you come out of the car, you see the moon and you get out and you actually look at it. You pay attention to it. You're inside the house, through the window, you can see, you look at the moon. It draws your attention. So the Prophet ﷺ said, you people will see your Lord just as you see this full moon. You know sometimes, if you want to see something or somebody, you have to be right in the front. If you're towards the back, you can't see. So the Prophet ﷺ said that, you will see Allah as easily, as clearly as you see the moon. But... And you will have no trouble in seeing him. So if you can, if you can avoid missing a prayer before Fajr and a prayer before sunset, then you must do so. In other words, if you want to see Allah as clearly, as easily as you see the full moon, then you better watch your Fajr and your Asr. If you miss your Fajr, you miss your Asr, you're losing the chances of seeing Allah clearly. If you delay them, if you neglect them, if you don't pay much attention to them, then you won't be able to see Allah. There's something very serious. Imagine not being able to see Allah when everybody else can. And why? Over our laziness, because of our laziness. That sometimes we need to sleep a little early so that we can wake up on time for Fajr. We need to do our work quickly, wrap it up, or just stop whatever we're doing and get up and pray. But we don't do that. We keep doing five minutes, ten minutes. Let me just do this. Let me just do that. And the next thing you know, salah is gone. Hafizu ala salawati wa salatil wusta. Guard these prayers if you want to see Allah. Waqumu lillahi qanitin. And stand before Allah as ones who are devoutly obedient. When you stand in prayer, focus on prayer. Focus on Allah. Don't be distracted. قُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ قَانِتِينَ is the plural of قَانِت and قَانِت is from قُنُوت and قُنُوت قَافْ نُونْتَ is to be devoutly obedient to be humbly submissive to be obedient to stand in humility to focus this is what قُنُوت is and it also has the meaning of constancy to be constantly obedient so not that when you started your salah yes your qiyam you were crying and in your rukur, all of a sudden the thought of your brother running, it made you laugh. Or the thought of reading a text message made you laugh and you forgot where you were standing, who you were talking to. No. قُومُ لِلَّهِ And when you're praying, be focused in your body as well. Not that you're scratching yourself here and you're fixing your hijab there and you are moving constantly. No. قُومُ لِلَّهِ We learn from a hadith that Zayd ibn Arqam, he said that we used to speak to each other sometimes during the salah. Before, initially, if we found it necessary, we would talk to each other. That for example, you're standing in prayer, somebody else comes in, come, come closer. In salah. Okay, they would speak to each other in salah. Before, initially when the command for salah came. 
But then when this ayah was revealed, we were commanded to be silent and were forbidden to talk. So then we no longer talk. But you know what? Sometimes we're not talking, you know, with kalam that is masmur, that can be heard. But where are we talking? In our hearts. We're talking to ourselves. What did she say? What was that? What did I do? What was I supposed to do? Constantly we're talking. Talking, talking. In our minds we are talking, so we don't even know what we're saying at our tongues. What was that? Did I say, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim or Alhamdulillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? Which ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Which ar-Rahman ar-Rahim was that? Yeah, people get confused. They don't know what they're saying at their tongue because constantly they're talking in their head. They're talking in their head. In a hadith we learn that whoever performs the wudu in the best manner according to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then he prays to rakara and in those two rakat he does not talk to himself. What's the condition? He does not talk to himself. If he prays like that, then all his previous sins will be forgiven. Yes, all his previous sins will be forgiven. But what's the condition? You don't talk to yourself in salah. Allah says, وَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ And when is it that we talk to ourselves a lot in salah? When our mind is preoccupied with something, when we are worried about something, when we're concerned about something. So divorce, marriage, it can really affect a person and he can really be distracted because of it. But what does Allah say? When it comes to prayer, then it doesn't matter whether you're going through a divorce or you're getting married. It is your wedding party. It is your whatever party. No, you have to stand in prayer focused. Now imagine if in this situation, when a person is going through divorce or marriage, he is required to focus in prayer. Then what about other times when a person is busy with matters that are much less important compared to divorce and marriage? You know, sometimes we have to vacuum And we're thinking, I'll start the vacuum from there and finish there. You're standing before Allah Azza wa Jal. And you're thinking about vacuuming the floor. You're standing in prayer and you're thinking about your Facebook. What are you going to write? How are you going to write? What are you going to say? You're thinking about sending a text message. Which emoji icon you're going to use? I mean, honestly, you're standing before Allah. Block everything else out. وَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ Stand before Allah as devoutly obedient. And you know what makes it easier for us to stand with humility, with submissiveness? When we realize the greatness of the one in front of whom we are standing. If ever you are standing before someone who is greater than you. Let's say you're called by the principal of your school. Let's say you're called by your boss. How will you stand? How will you stand? In a very casual manner? Yes? You can't stand in a casual manner at that time at all. You are standing in your body language, you're very focused. In Your mind is very focused, your thoughts, your concentration, everything. Whatever is being given, whatever is being said, communicated, you take it very seriously. So remind yourself when you get distracted in prayer, I am standing before Allah. I am standing before Allah. And for this, you have to know the meaning of your salah. If you don't know the meaning of salah, you cannot have khushur in salah. You cannot focus in salah. So please, get to know, learn the meaning of salah. And for that, you don't necessarily have to take a big course on the explanation of salah. 
what you can do is get any book of prayer, any book, and there are dozens out there. And read the meaning of what you say. Read the meaning of what you say. And now that Alhamdulillah you're understanding the Qur'an, you're learning about the vocabulary of the Qur'an, it should be easier for you to pick up the words of salah as well. When you say for example, Allahu Akbar, you should know what you're saying. Think about it. Say it consciously. When you say, Allahu, Allah has heard Samia liman to the one who hamidahu, who praises him. So you're saying, Allah has heard the one who praises him. So then, praise him. And when you say, hamdan, kathiran, tayyiban, mubarakan, fi, you know about the meanings of all of these words? You know them now. When you're saying, Subhana Rabbi al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, think about what you're saying. When you're saying, Allahumma firli, warhamni, wahdini, think about what you're saying, mean what you say. Only this will help you pray with khushur. Otherwise, you cannot have khushur. So today, go pick up a book, find a book that has the meaning of prayer, and please, go through it. Make it a habit. Yes. There are many books. You can find them at this bookstore, you can find them at other bookstores. Whatever you can find. Even off the internet, you can find the meaning of prayer. Just print it out on two pieces of paper and read it. So that you know what you're saying. When you say in salah, Allahu Akbar, then what does it mean? Allah is greater. Greater than what? Everything. Whatever is on your mind, whatever you want to do, whatever you're distracted by. So remind yourself, Allah is greater. So I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about Allah. وَقُومُ لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ And the thing is that if we don't stand before Allah asking for His help, asking for His mercy, then how will the problems of our life be solved? How can the matters become easier? They cannot. The habit of the Prophet ﷺ was that whenever he had a problem, he would hasten to perform salah. He would rush to pray. And when we have a problem, we rush through our prayers. And that's not the way to problem solving at all. وَقُومُ لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ That in this ayah we learn about Salat al-Wusta, the Asr prayer, that you have to guard it. Once the Prophet ﷺ said, that is a prayer of the hypocrite, that is a prayer of the hypocrite. Which prayer? He said the one who keeps waiting and you know for the sun to go. And then as soon as the sun is about to set, then he goes and pecks onto the ground just like a chicken does. You know, like, quickly, quickly. He hits the ground doing his sajda. Doesn't you know what he's saying? How can you have qunut if you're rushing through your prayer? If you delay your prayer, you can't stand with qunut. You can't have fear of Allah. You can't have submissiveness and humility at all. If you are reading Surah Al-Fatiha at the speed of 80 kilometers an hour, tell me, how are you going to even know what you're saying? You know when you're speeding, as you're driving, you can't even look at the signboards, what they're saying. You can't even read them. So how can you understand what you're saying if you're rushing through it? You can't. If you can't do that, then what are you getting out of your prayer? فَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ Then if you are afraid, meaning if you are in the state of fear, خَوَوْفَ فَرِجَالًا Then as walking, أَوْ رُكْبَانًا Or as riding. رِجَال is a plural of رَاجِل Rajil and Rajil from Rajim Lam. Rajil is pedestrian, the one who is walking. And Rukban, plural of Rakib. Who is Rakib? The one who is riding. Rakafba. 
So if you are in a state of fear, and because of that you cannot stand with qunut, meaning you cannot stand with calmness, with stillness. You know, we are to stand in one place and pray, but if, let's say, a person, he is in a state of fear, there is an enemy that might attack him. There's something that's chasing him. There's a flood that's coming. There is an earthquake. There's, you know, a natural disaster because of which a person cannot stand and pray for five minutes, ten minutes. He has to keep walking, keep driving, keep rushing. And if he keeps driving, keeps running, then by the time he will get to his destination, when he's safe, he might miss his prayer. Then what does Allah say? Then pray in whatever state you're in. Meaning as you're walking, pray. Yes. And if you're driving, pray. Because you can't stop. You know, many times it happens that people are somewhere and there's a tornado. Right? And you have to drive as fast as you can to get out of the way of the tornado. And if you have to drive for let's say a hundred kilometers and you are intending to stop by over there to pray salah, by the time you get to your next destination, you're away safe from that area. By the time you get there, you're going to miss your prayer. So what do you do? Miss your prayer? You can't even miss your prayer in this state. You have to pray however you can. Farijalan aw rukbana. Imagine if we're supposed to pray in these situations, then what about in normal situations when we're too lazy to get up and pray? Salah is an obligation, but cannot be neglected. That cannot be delayed. You have to pray on time. Because Allah says, فَرِجَالًا أَوْ رُكْبَانًا فَإِذَا أَمِنْتُمْ Then when you are safe and secure, Hamza Mimnoon, Aman. Then فَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ Then you should remember Allah. Why? كَمَا عَلَّمَكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ Because He taught you what you did not know. When your fear is over, when the situation is normal, then remember Allah because He taught you what you did not know. What does it mean by this dhikr? Dhikr over here, yes, it means salah. But it also means remembering Allah otherwise, on the tongue, in the heart. Remembering Allah. Why? Because Allah taught you what you did not know. Ilm is a huge blessing. Guidance is a huge blessing. The instructions that we have been given in our deen with regards to prayer, charity, marriage, divorce, children, everything. This is what? A huge blessing. Ilm is a blessing. And Allah says, when you are safe, then remember Allah for the blessing of knowledge. That you were able to worship Him even in the state of fear. You were able to follow His commands even in the case of divorce, even in the case of marriage. Don't forget to thank Him. كَمَا عَلَّمَكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا Let's listen to the recitation. حافظوا على الصلوات والصلاة الوسطى وقوموا لله قانتين فإن خفتم فرجالا أو ركبانا فإذا أمنتم فاذكروا الله كما علمكم ما لم تكونوا تعلمون so what's the take-home lesson? One thing that's relevant to every single one of us. Guard your prayer. Never neglect it. Last night something very interesting happened with me. I had to go somewhere and by the time I got home it was very late and I still had to prepare for the class. So I was preparing and it was very late in the night and I was falling asleep and by the time I got to this ayah, my eyes were closing. I was like, you know what? It's a sign. Get up and sleep so you can wake up for Fajr. So... When you want to stay up in the night, do some work, 
talk, have fun, remember? Sleep so that you can guard your prayer. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.